Hey guys, welcome back to the Far Better Podcast. I'm your host, Michael Clark, and I'm thankful that you're taking some time to sit with me, fold laundry, do the dishes, whatever it is you're doing. I don't need to know. I don't want to know, but I'm glad you're here. And as we have another opportunity to kick off a brand new season, this is season four, episode one. And we've been talking a lot more with guests lately, and I thought, why not just continue that for another season, see how everybody likes it. I enjoy doing it. It gives me an opportunity to show off people that I think are really good individuals that can give you some insight into the Word of God. It gives me a chance to talk with more people, and it gives you a chance to hear a wide variety of people other than just me. And so uh, these first six episodes, I have Wayne Rogers and Scott Kane. I'm going to give Scott Kane the first right, because Wayne's on my bad side right now, uh, to introduce himself, what he does, where he works, and then we will begrudgingly turn it over to Wayne, and he will get to do the same thing, and then we'll get into the episode and the season theme. So, Scott, go ahead. Um, Scott Kane, I work with the Forest Hill Church of Christ in Memphis, Tennessee. Uh, graduated from the Memphis School of Preaching back in 2009. Wonderful. And if I remember correctly, you did win an award in that graduation ceremony, one of them, did you not? Uh, yeah, they gave me a diploma. Yeah. What was the other thing they gave you, um, Mr. Modest? <laughs> uh, the Outstanding Student Award. And truly, he won't say this about himself. You've you've picked up on that. But both of the guys on the program for the next six episodes are truly uh, what I consider to be a lot of the, the Pauls of my life. I look up to them a lot, enjoy getting to be around them. Of course, you know anything about me and Wayne. We've done a program together for years. But uh, Scott recently becoming the preacher at Forest Hill – uh, has been very beneficial to my family, and the enjoyment that I get when I'm not traveling to sit down and listen uh, has been very, very good for me, and so I'm thankful, Scott, you earned that award, and you continue to show that. Um, now we'll turn over to a guy who probably didn't earn that. No, I'm just kidding. I'm <laughs> Take it away, Wayne. I, I did not get the outstanding student award. Uh, my name is Wayne Rogers. I work with the Eastside Church of Christ in Maryville, Tennessee, and I've been there a little over three years now and uh, work together with Michael uh, also on What Would You Do If on the Gospel Broadcasting Network. Yeah, and recently, we're all MSOP grads, so I mean, we'll, we'll talk about the school periodically through these six episodes, I know. Uh, recently, we mentioned Scott Kane came to Forest Hill, and he's also teaching a class at the uh, school at this time that could be increased, maybe it decreased. I doubt that last part would happen. But uh, Wayne, during the last lectureship that we had just a month ago when we're recording this, uh, was voted as the next alumni president. And so uh, I'm excited for that. I know that we'll work together over the next several years. Uh, so long as you fulfill your full term, um, you know, we'll get an opportunity to work together. And I know we already work well together, so I'm looking forward to that. Truly, you know, I've had Scott on the program before, before we went with the Scattered Abroad Network, and I told him that his insight that day and, and the discussion that we had was still considered one of the best episodes I've had as far as downloads are concerned. And I've had Wayne on the program before, both on this show and different other network shows that we have, and they always do very well. And so the Scattered Abroad Network continues. We have 18 different podcasts, and we are always trying to find daily content for you uh, that is good quality, but also short enough that you can listen to it when you're out on the drive or walking, doing something that won't require you to have to dissect large amounts of material at one time. And if you want, you can always reach us through our email. That's plugged in the show notes 
as well as the social media. And these two gentlemen that are on the podcast with me today, I will give them an opportunity to give us their links and different uh, emails and whatnot that they might want included, and we'll put them in the show notes as well. But this season on the Far Better podcast, we are going to be talking about far better than focusing on fill in the blank. And so this first episode, I think, is pretty aptly titled for our current culture, and that is far better than focusing on the pleasures of this world. And so I want to start by asking, why are the pleasures of this world so dangerous? The Apostle Paul wrote that the wages of sin is death, and the pleasures of this world are that are those temptations which lead to sin. And so obviously the 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 eternal consequence of sin is why it would be so dangerous for us to be involved with. Uh, we're warned by inspiration that we are not to love the world nor the things of the world. The world's passing away. And I, and I think that phrase in verse 17 of 1 John chapter 2 is something to clue in. The world is passing away. These things in this life are yet temporary. Those things which might, in fact, entice us to sin, they are just temporary as well. And the pleasures of this world, the pleasures of sin itself, is also temporary, whereas the consequences or the result of those things would be eternal, and that's why it's certainly so dangerous. Right. Right. Absolutely. Scott, you got anything you want to add to that? Well, I can't help but think about, uh, he mentioned the pleasures of this world connected with the pleasures of sin. Of course, that leads my mind directly to... Hebrews eleven twenty five, mm-hmm. uh, Moses choosing rather to suffer affliction with the people of Christ than to enjoy the pleasures of sin for a season. And so often it's the case that we are looking for momentary solutions to uh, lifelong problems. Uh, we're looking for momentary escapes from lifelong issues. And more often than not, when we chase after the pleasures of sin, whatever the pleasure might be, you know, lust of the flesh is something that just satiates a physical desire. Lust of the eye, it just looks good, so I pursue after it because I find it visually appealing. Pride of life, well, it lifts me up. No matter which of those highways you take, it ends with me centering my life on me. Right. And that in and of itself is not only uh, temporary and short-lived, <laughs> but it has... It has no foundation, it leads nowhere, and it leaves God out of the entire picture. Uh, so you know, when, when you think about the temporary nature of it and pursuing after that which, which doesn't last, it literally is a dead-end street. Right. Well, and you think, too, some of the things that we look at that are not inherently sinful, uh, it's not wrong to go shopping. From time to time, you might need new clothing. You might need to get something for your house, or uh, maybe it's a birthday present for a family member. But you've heard of people being called shopaholics. And what quickly can become the problem there is they are trying to fill some type of hole with designer clothing or with entertainment items, uh, tech, whatever it might be, that they don't need. They don't have to have, but they find themselves in a store. And I've been guilty of this probably the most in my life at times, finding myself in a store after a hard day and going, all right, what can I buy in here that will make me feel a little better about myself? And that's where the pleasures of this world can really take a hold. Again, nothing wrong with maybe stopping in at a Target and picking up a little decorative item for your office. But when my first response to a hard day is not to beseech God in prayer or to say, 
you know, I should probably consider what the Bible has to say about my situation. And my response is, I should consider what my pocketbook has to say about the situation. That's where I think we begin to get into that dangerous territory of starting to allow the pleasures of this world to take hold of us. And the same can be true with vacationing, with entertainment, whatever it might be. If I allow that to be what makes me feel better and what makes me deal with life, then anything else that happens is just a symptom of a larger problem. And that's where we really have this problem with the pleasures of this world as we're talking about this podcast together. And that takes us to our second question, which is, number one, kind of a two-for-one here. Does it affect the church today? And if so, how? How does it affect the church today? Well, it's going to depend on the pleasure being pursued, but... Yes, it affects the church today in that you have, if nothing else, the pleasure of this world becoming a distraction, right? Uh, taking away from top priority. Matthew six thirty three: Seek ye first the kingdom of God and His righteousness. Uh, of course, God's kingdom being His church, God's righteousness and His church kingdom are to be a top priority. But when I pursue after after what seems fulfilling physically or pridefully, uh, then I've put aside that which is spiritual. You, you were talking about the shopping and the other areas of physical fulfillment. The same can be said of the workaholic. Right. Matter of fact, the wise man hit on that, Proverbs 16, uh, 26, he that laboreth, keeps on laboring, laboreth for himself. You know, it, it's all about him. Right. And there are so many times in with the church that there are people that, aren't available to do the work of Christians because they are being excessively available to work their overtime or to focus Mm -hmm. on their jobs to the hurt of the work of the Lord. So just in terms of priorities, it's a huge impact upon the church. Absolutely. Wayne? I think the same way that you have Eve being tempted in the garden. Yeah. The, you know, what she saw, you know, it, it looked good to the eye. You know, it was it was something that was good for food. You know, so it, it it would fulfill that lust of the flesh as well, and then to be picked up, as you were saying, you know, or to pick yourself up in that way, a desire that she had, the pride of life, as John enumerates those things. We see that in in Eve and the the temptation that certainly she faced. You know, and ultimately it brought about a loss of the home. So there there were great consequences that that obviously dealt with, you know, that she had to deal with, that Adam had to deal with, that mankind now has to deal with when it comes to the consequences of sin. Do they affect the church? Absolutely. You know, as the church, we've we've come out of a life of sin right? through repentance and being baptized into Christ, now living a new life as a new creation, in, in, you know, in Christ Jesus. But also you have those responsibilities to, to maintain a faithful life. And so there's... There continues to be that draw, and it's based on the things that we still desire, and so it's something that we still have to work on. And so there, yes, does it affect the church? It's something that the church still works on, each individual working on in their life yeah. uh, in that way. And so, yeah, it certainly can affect the church. Uh, it can affect our outlook on the kingdom itself, You know, whether we're prioritizing the kingdom first or whether we are um, 
letting something, you know, just slip to the side, you know, or letting it slip to the side and putting something, you know, our focus on something else in in front of that. But it it will affect our families. It will affect, you know, possibly our, our jobs. It could affect, you know, so a husband and wife relationship could be affected, could affect our children. But certainly the influence and the example that we leave for others as we ourselves are dealing with temptation in this life and dealing with sin problem in this life, it definitely has an effect on those around us. And so, yes, it affects the church. Mm-hmm. It affects, you know, possibly our families, possibly, you know, friends, neighbors around us, the community. Any, any number of things are affected by our own having to deal with this sin problem in life. Yeah, and I think about Romans 6, 1, the, the whole purpose of that verse is the group there had said, we can continue in sin, and we'll just get another sacrifice, basically. And Paul says, that's not how this works. You can't continue to live in sin and expect that God is just going to bring you another sacrifice every time his cup finally reaches that breaking point. We, we got one. And I think sometimes in the church, there's this mentality of we've been redeemed, and therefore we are justified in doing whatever we want. And that mentality has creeped into a lot of denominationals, the once saved, always saved. You can enjoy the pleasures of sin and this world, and you're not held accountable to that because God has already cleansed you for that. And even to the point when I've made this point on the podcast before, but it just it's such a good illustration and blows my mind every time I think about it. Somebody actually said in a Bible study, I could cheat on my wife, and God will not hold me accountable for that. That's the danger of the pleasures of this world being something that I hold to as I'm allowed to do that because God's going to just not hold me accountable to that. Galatians 5, 4, just the book of Galatians really tells, tells us that you cannot leave the law and go to another law and be justified in that. And if you're going to fall by following after the Old Testament law, if I abandon the New Testament law completely and just continue to live in the pleasures of this world, I can't hope to be redeemed and stay redeemed. That's not something that works. And so the church, we're at a crossroads, it seems, where we have to be able to stand firm and more firmly than we've been at times on telling people, yes, that is a sin. No, you should not do that. I think of things like prom. I think of things like dancing. They kind of coincide with one another, but both are applicable. I think of our young people who are growing up and being taught by their non-churched friends It's okay to do this on the weekends because mama and daddy don't care where I live, so why should you care? And we're teaching our children growing up, if we don't take some firm stances here, that really you can enjoy the pleasures of sin and this world and not be held accountable to it. And another impact that it ends up having on the church, you you talk about looking at the actual activities of sin. When we allow those to become a priority, or even if it's not actual moral sin, but we've allowed otherwise innocuous activities to become addictions Mm -hmm. and rule our lives, then we've allowed the physical to eclipse the spiritual. Now, springboard from that, it's not just about how we look at ourselves, the man that says, well, I could commit adultery and not be held accountable for that. He's looking at himself wrongly. You've got Christians that may not take it to that extreme, but they are so focused on their physical considerations and enjoyments that they're not looking at the loss the right way. They have more of a compromised perspective of who the lost are, what it means to be lost, or whether or not to reach out to them. And when it comes down to it, it impacts what we're supposed to be doing in terms of evangelism. We we find ourselves with a, a lowered appreciation for the 
the danger of sin. Mm-hmm. We find ourselves compromising with who really is in sin and who's not, who really is lost and who is not, who really needs the gospel and who is not. So ultimately it takes our minds off of what is spiritual. And when we start focus, focusing on what is physical, we're not going to be leading others to our Christ. Right. And when you when you try to teach somebody to be in the world but not of the world, and they can honestly look at you and say, but you, you do this. Why should I have to do it? They come to church maybe with you, and they hear the preacher get up and preach the truth, you know, that you're not supposed to be enjoying the pleasures of this world in that way with a sinful attitude and doing it in a sinful way. And then they're sitting next to you going, we go out to the bar every now and then after work, and we, we get a couple drinks, and he's saying that that's wrong, and you're telling me that that's what we're supposed to be doing, but you're not doing it. And so we lose our credibility when we are not you know firmly standing and saying no this is wrong the world is trying to you know to put in overtime when it comes to allowing us to think that things are normal and that certain things should be acceptable and they're doing it even in the most subtle of ways and if we're not careful and actively teaching out against them and saying no that's not right then we could wake up one day and find ourselves a lot farther down a road than we thought we would ever be And so that definitely is something to be considering. But that's the whole point of the last question, which is how can we avoid the pleasures of this world? And I heard a story years ago, and then I'll turn it over to you gentlemen. I'm sure you've heard this before too, but stories of a man who walked by a store that he shouldn't have walked by. You know, it just happened to be something. And as he walked by, he he just kind of glanced as he was going. And the story progresses to the point where he doesn't change his route. He continues to walk down that street to maybe get home or to wherever he's heading. And his speed gets slower and slower as he walks by this particular store until one particular time he's caught standing out in front of the, the doorway looking in. Not going in, but looking in. And then the story progresses to the end where it culminates in him going inside and being more and more willing to compromise from when he first saw it to now he's entering into that. That's a lot of how the pleasures of this world can really creep in on us. We can look at something. It obviously is appealing. Sin is temptation for us. At times, the temptations are appealing, something that attracts me to that. And maybe I'm able to stumble upon something. I didn't mean to see that. I didn't mean to go there. But then I continue to go that that way. And I don't take an alternate route. And then I'm shocked when I wake up one morning and realize that I'm caught in you know a fault like Galatians six one talks about that word overtaken is caught by surprise you know and I, I've likened that to a deer jumping out in front of your car you're not ready for that to happen and that's a lot of times when temptation will jump out at you but if you don't respond properly you will have a much worse accident than just hitting a deer because now your soul's at stake and so how can we avoid the pleasures of this world when the world is working overtime to get us to enjoy this life. I think what you just illustrated with that story, Scripture's already conveyed that very idea in one verse. Blessed is the man that walketh not in the counsel of the ungodly, mm-hmm. nor standeth in the way of sinners, nor sitteth in the seat of the scornful, Psalm 1. Um, and avoiding the situations from the get-go, right. identifying the, the temptation and saying, no, I will not flirt with it. You think about the words of 1 Corinthians 6, 18, when Paul's talking to the Corinthians about the, the sexual sin of fornication, and he said, flee fornication. Too often nowadays, 
their parents train their children to flirt with instead of flee from it. Right. See how close you can get without doing it. And it really is a matter of making the decision to distance myself from this area of activity to the point that, no, it's not going to be a temptation. For different people, that's going to be a different uh, number of streets that I need to walk away from that store, so mm-hmm. to speak. Some people may need to go to another city. Some people may be able to stay away from that store and not think about it by walking up the next clean street. Uh, but we have to be able to identify what tempts us, what lures us, and then have the self-control to say, I don't have enough self-control to get that close. I need to stay away. Right. And I think, you know, you have David as a a good example uh, whose sin with Bathsheba, you know, was certainly ever on his mind after having committed that and all of the things that would follow suit. But in Psalm 101, David, you know, he, he's committed to God. He's devoted to God, but he's also made a commitment to himself, right? You know, I will set no, uh, nothing evil or wicked before my eyes. But just, just very quickly, and I know we don't have time to probably read the whole uh, psalm here, but these eight verses give a principles not just for the eyes of David, what he's saying here, you know, I'll set no evil things before my eyes or no wickedness before my eyes. But you'll notice also in that same verse, in verse 3, Psalm 101.3 says, I hate the work of those who fall away. It shall not cling to me. It, and there, there's, there's much more than just the idea of not just setting anything evil before my eyes. But he says, even a perverse heart shall depart from me. His commitment to God over and over, you see these things. Um, you know, you've got to put something good in its place. You drop back up to verse 1 there. I will sing of mercy and justice, and I will sing praises to you, O Lord. Uh, I'm going to behave wisely in a perfect way, in an upright way, in other words. Uh, and and so you can go through each of these uh, and look, you know, my eyes shall be on the faithful of the land, you know, because he's, he's also the king. And so he's thinking about his own judgments that he's making. Uh, so much so that he says in verse 8, I will early... Uh, destroy all the wicked of the land that I may cut off all the evildoers from the city of the Lord. Look at the lengths that he will go to make sure that wickedness is put far away from him and even those around him. And he has set his mind to do that. That's that's where we have to get. And just as Scott was saying, and, and as the illustration you used indicates, you know, we, we've got to do that early. We've got right. to make up our minds ahead of this temptation right and and prepare our hearts for that you know be ready for those things um you know and and the idea the the point that you made about being overtaken you know being surprised that this caught me uh unaware you know um the fact that sin itself the temptation to sin i should say is something that is based upon our own desires our own lust um warns us that there are things that we already know in our minds Mm -hmm. That areas that we're weak, right? Those areas that we're weak, we have to shore up. We have to strengthen. We have to work on. The, and the way that we do that is through building our faith. That's right. Strengthening ourselves in God's word and spending time there, spending time in prayer, and then seeing the answer that God gives us. You know, through His word, the the benefit of being around His people versus being around the world. Right. The benefit of having you know a, a good, faithful family to the Lord. Uh, you know, obviously, then then benefits those children in that home to to hopefully stay away from those dangerous streets that we're yeah. talking about. Well, and I I can't help but you know 
try to bring it to a quick close by saying, first of all, Scott, do you have anything that you'd like to add? Uh, two verses come to mind. One, thy word have I hidden my heart that I might not sin against thee. Right. The more time I spend in God's word, the better I am prepared to identify iniquity and stay away from it. But then there's also be not conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, Romans 12, 2. And when I decide I'm going to be different, God's word is going to be the guide, then I really can avoid those sins. Right. And I think of James 4, 4, the man who makes himself a friend with the world becomes an enemy with God. And that's certainly involved with the pleasures of this world. If I'm enjoying those, I'm a friend of the world. And I think it's also apparent when Jesus said, don't be shocked if the world hates you. You should really be upset if the world loves you. That should be the problem. And so uh, I'm thankful to these two gentlemen for being on the podcast today. Next week, we'll be back talking about another um, topic that we can be looking at far better than focusing on the past And so if you've been struggling with focusing on the past too much, we'd love to have you tune in next Wednesday. But until then, don't forget to check the show notes and see all of the information about the network and Scott and and Wayne. But until next week, let's please God now so our eternity is far better. What's up, guys? It's Caleb and Michael over here from the Scattered Abroad Network, and we just wanted to say thanks so much for listening to this episode. Yeah, we're so thankful to the East Hill Church of Christ for overseeing this network, and we're grateful to God for this opportunity And don't forget, you can check out our show notes below for all of our social media links, email address, website, and we have a monthly newsletter, so don't forget to sign up for that. Please remember to leave us a rating or a review on whatever platform it is that you use, and please continue to keep our network in your prayers. As always, thank you again so much for listening. Be ready tomorrow. We have brand new content coming out here on the SAN. Thanks so much, and God bless.